It's a gorgeous sunny day in Australia. You've been dating this woman for four months and think to yourself, I think it's high time that I propose to her. Better make it DeBoer Diamonds. DeBoer Diamonds. If she ain't floored, it ain't DeBoer. This message was not approved by Jane DeBoer. Don't want to be DeBoer? Our new episode begins right now. Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role our dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. Ever been on the precipice of a major life event and had a dream or series of synchronicities cause you to reconsider your course? Did you honor that? Or did you have to learn on the backside why you should have? It can be really easy to want to brush aside those pesky feelings that want us to stay true to our deep feelings and intuitions and dreams. We trade in discomfort today for an even more guttural disappointment down the road. Or we revel in the fact that something much, much deeper had incredible accurate feelers on the situation and we can bask in the knowledge that something is always looking out for us if we would only listen and be true. Our guest today, Melissa Johnson, had a seriously impressive dream that led her to calling off her wedding six weeks prior to the date. Everything was set, all the plans were made, and bam! A dream and a very powerful intuitive moment happens that reveals a very deep truth, both on a deeply emotional level, but also illuminates some shenanigans happening she had no idea about. This story is a wild example of how invested the deep self is in seeing us through and how it goes to great lengths to protect us from major life situations that really aren't for us. Melissa also had two psychic dreams, one about each of us prior to coming on the show that will floor you as impressively as it floored us. This conversation surprised us in all of its twists and turns. We had absolutely no idea what we were walking into. Do you think you have a good idea what you're about to walk into? Join Jason, Mel, and myself to find out. Let's start the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Dreams That Shave Us podcast. I am your co-host, Steve Erninwine, and I am joined here tonight with my partner in the dream, Mr. James DeBoard. Yo, yo. And we are here tonight with Melissa Johnson. She is the 
host of the other Dreamworking podcast called The Dream Hub. We're very excited to have her tonight to talk about a very wild story from what I understand about it. Uh, we're going to see how a dream totally interrupted a very important experience for her. Uh, we'll keep it kind of hushed for the moment. But yeah, we're I, I'm super thrilled to have you here. We've kind of loosely been in communication with each other for the last, I don't know how long, couple, six months, who knows. Um, yeah, so thanks for coming and joining our podcast. Oh, I'm stoked. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's really awesome to be here. I feel like I met you because I did meet you briefly in the dream world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's actually why, how I wanted to start this. Was it was actually so funny because I'd never, I didn't know what you looked like. And in my dream, you showed up and you were on a video screen, like you FaceTimed me and I could see your face. And then the next day you posted something on your story and it was of yourself talking. And I'm like, that's the guy I saw in my dream. Oh my God. <laughs> it was just so funny <laughs> to see your face and be like, whoa, that was really trippy. Yeah, that's really wild. Yeah, I'd been kind of on the fence of asking you if you had a story you wanted to come on the podcast and share. And because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've listened to all of your episodes, but I've listened to quite a few of them. And was like, you know, we should definitely do a swap here. And so, yeah, when you you had sent me that email, I, I was just like, wow, okay. But <laughs> the funny thing about that dream, yeah, you didn't tell all of it, uh, but you did to me in, in a private message. It totally, like, called me out. And uh, I was just like, holy shit. Because um, the funny thing is, like, so do you want to tell what, the other part of it was oh no you can go ahead that's fine you can you can call it out <laughs> okay so what she told me was that um what was it something about that i made a comment about your voice and you sounding really young yes <laughs> yeah in my in my dream you were like yeah i've been thinking about collaborating with you but i'm just not sure if you're old enough i think you're maybe about like uh 21 or 22 or something and I was like, um, no, I'm 34. And you go, oh, it's just your voice sounds so young. I just wasn't sure. And I was like, yeah, I know my voice is annoying, but you know what? I have something really important to share so people want to listen and they'll put up with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because literally like a day or two before that, I was listening to an episode on your podcast and the guy you're interviewing, his voice was so thick like the accent was so thick that I was like ah I don't know if I can get through this <laughs> and so yeah I mean I don't have I think your voice is great I don't have any problem with your voice but I think after I listened to that episode I was kind of like I probably had a moment where I was kind of like you know we haven't really had anybody on the podcast who has a really thick accent yet I'm like mm. is that I, I think I had a moment where I was like uh like I would hate for it to be like, uh, can you say that again? Like the entire interview, like that would, uh, that would just make me cringe. And so I think this was like slapping me up, uh, kind of being like, no, like you gotta bring whoever's on here. Who's got a story worthy to tell. Like, yes. so I, I just love the fact that you like your dream, like really put that to me. It was just like, nah, we're not even humoring that thought. I know. <laughs> I think it was probably around the same day even, like oh, yeah. when when you listened to that episode and I think that night I had the dream. 
Oh, man. It was very close timing. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really funny. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that... No, that's good. I always feel a little rude when I somehow like jump into other people's, you know, mind and psyche and dreams and what's going on for them. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It happens. It happens a bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that, that caused me to reach out to you, right? Because I love to take action from dreams when I feel it's Mm -hmm. right. So here we are. What are you, are you cheesing over there, Jay, or what? No, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about what she just said that you two shared a dream before you knew each other. And <laughs> it, it reminds me of two things. One, um Jenny, um Clara Scura has, you know, she was shared with us that she routinely has these dreams where she's in someone else's dream. And I had that happen to me fairly recently where someone who I had been trying to get in touch with and had been incommunicado Someone else in the meantime had gone to him and said, you need to call Jason. And that night I had a dream where suddenly he was there and I had a sense that it was really him and that I I was trying to get him to communicate with me and things just sort of cut off really rapidly in the dream. I'm like, well, that's funny. He just disappeared. Well, I guess he'd been thinking about me and thinking about getting in touch with me, but he never did. Oh, wow. And I took that dream as sort of a, a harbinger, you know, that there was something that was missing in our communication line. And I just think it's great that we, now we have another example here of this, call it a phenomenon happening. And that, uh, that I wonder how many other people out there can say the same thing, you know, where they've like, yeah, I did. I dreamt about you last night and it really seemed like you were there and you'd never even met the person before. So it's impossible for you to have used a memory of this person as the basis for the dream, you know, that it's not just a personal story that's being told. This is actual communication or as, um, Robert Moss likes to say, it's social dreaming where Mm -hmm. we get together in the dream space to have these shared experiences. So Melissa, I think that's awesome. Oh man. I, I love that dude. And I wanted to say this before I forgot this thought. It, it reminds me of the episode we did with Bob Haas. Um, I feel like I I called myself out through what Bob Haas said in the dream that the woman brought to him where he contacted her in the dream to contact him. It was like the body unconscious network at in action, which is the which is the way that the woman referred to it or that he referred to it in the woman's dream that she brought to him. That was really confusing way of saying that. Uh, so Bob was, Bob was in her dream and then she gets his name and his location and then yeah. gets in con finds him on his website, gets in touch with him and says, by the way, I had this dream and I feel like I have to share it with you. And the dream had a message for Bob, which was exactly what he needed to hear to make a major decision from this person out in the ether, you know, out there in the world, who didn't know him from, you know, anyone else and did not know Bob at all and gets it feels compelled because of the dream to get in touch with him and give him the information that she had, which then helped him make a very important decision in his life. Yeah. So one, one last thing that I want to say, uh, and it's so fitting because it's from another friend of mine from Australia. Uh, she always says that, uh, her name's Delia. What's up, Delia? Uh, <laughs> 
she's like anytime that uh somebody has a dream that is a message for you that you're like really being spoken to that like the dream is coming through somebody else to give you the message and yeah that's exactly how i feel like this dream was for <laughs> for me like damn dude that was really quick and like really wild the way that that all came together so i, I appreciate you actually sharing that with me because that we we are not we're not friends like that yet no no and yeah so. we hadn't even been <laughs> chatting or anything it was just kind of out of the blue wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah like we're like instagram comment friends we're not like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. melissa how long have you been having dreams like that once you've I, I assume it's happened before because you sound so comfortable with the idea okay so the thing is it's not been a long time i've been um sort of you know dream working dream journaling like remembering my dreams only for about the past two years uh in my life though like I didn't have a lot of dreams in the past. I had a lot of issues and things going on and a lot of reasons for that. And um, since I started learning about dreams and studying them, um, they, they're very strong. Every single night I will remember at least two dreams and I use them as therapy for myself every single night. And I've always had psychic ability but I've always been scared of it and I didn't really understand how to do it or what it's for or anything like that I kind of shut it down uh, because my mum my mum is psychic and there was a few scary things that happened when I was younger that made me go oh I don't know if I want to do that and (laughs) um yeah I didn't really know how to use it but now it's very clear to me that I'm naturally psychic through my dreams and I do get a lot of messages for other people um so yeah I am confident in it and now that I've been like obsessively studying dreams for the last two years um I can kind of distinguish between when there's a message for myself or when there's a message for someone else or if it's like a symbolic thing going on or if it's actually a connection to another person type thing so yeah it's been pretty cool what got you started with this all of a sudden, two years ago, you decide that you're going to go whole hog into dreams. And yeah. I'm curious if there was something in particular that that sparked you. There was. I got pregnant. And pregnancy dreams, as a lot of people know, can be really hectic. And I suppose it's a mixture of hormones, like huge changes going on. You're growing another soul. So then there's this connection to the spiritual world. And all of a sudden these dreams that I were having were so intense and so realistic that it was debilitating. Like I had the worst anxiety. I was waking up crying, like just because I didn't understand the meaning of them either. So I'll give an example. Like one night I I dreamt that my dad died and I woke up just distraught, like, bawling my eyes out my heart was aching like I was like oh my god this is the worst thing ever and I'm pregnant and it just felt so real and now looking back on it and understanding it's like well I was the first child in my family to be having a baby so my dad as a dad just a dad 
was dying as he was transforming into a grandfather figure. And yeah. now I see that from that perspective. I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually a really beautiful dream. Like, it's very transformative. Like, I could really honor that. And that's a huge moment. Whereas little old me a couple of years ago was just like, ah, the world's going to end. My dad's going to die. Like, I thought it was real. <laughs> and I was like getting late to work, like tears, everything. It was horrible. And it was like every night I would just felt like I was being tormented because I didn't understand like I was having dreams of my husband cheating on me, like all the typical, typical pregnancy nightmares. And I just struggled through the whole pregnancy. I had like postpartum depression and anxiety because of it. It was full on. And then that, that was four years ago, right? That was my first daughter. And then when she was born, the dreams went away and I was like, whew, some relief, you know? And it was when I got pregnant the second time and the really vivid dreams came back, I thought, I cannot put up with this. <laughs> like there is morning sickness and then there is just pure torture. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nah. So I was like, surely there has to be a way. So I'm Googling it, you know, pregnancy nightmares, what to do. Then I learned about lucid dreaming and I was like, brilliant. Just became obsessed with everything to do with dreams. Plus I went on maternity leave. I had all this time. So I was just went all in. Yeah, Robert Moss, as you mentioned before, he was my teacher at the beginning and I just like read tons of books and yeah just went all in with the study because of the huge shifts that I noticed within myself from doing the dream work it was incredible like I just can't even describe like I, I mean I can describe if you want I can explain um oh, even just a yeah. dream so okay well one of one of the big issues that I had personally was the first time I was pregnant, I was petrified of doing anything that would damage the baby, right? So I didn't want to exercise, like go walking, go jogging, like go to the gym or anything because I was so worried something bad would happen. And I ended up putting on a lot of weight and being very miserable in the first one. The second time around, when I learned how to lucid dream, so this is where everything changed. One night I fell asleep and I had a, a dream, this repetitive thing. People used to come up and try to fight me in my dreams. You know how everyone has their thing. Some people drown, some people get chased. Mine is that people try to like punch on with me. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what helped me to become lucid because I was like, this doesn't happen in real life. So nice. if someone's trying to fight me, that was the point that I went, oh, this is a dream. So in the dream, I'm just walking along. I'm pregnant in the dream, early pregnancy, and this girl comes up to me in a school uniform. It's like a sports uniform, if you know what I mean. And she just comes up trying to pick a fight with me out of nowhere. And I go to swing, but my arm was so heavy. It felt like, you know, when you're trying to punch through like something really thick and you, you just can't punch. Mm -hmm. So I experienced that feeling and, and the, putting that feeling and the fact that someone was trying to fight me when I put those together, that's what helped me to become lucid. And I was like, oh, I'm in a dream. That means I can win. And basically <laughs> I took a few steps back and I like kind of half 
squatted down a little bit and I held my belly to protect it. And then I spun around in a circle like I was some karate master (laughs) and did this huge fly kick and kicked the girl across the room. She smashed into the wall and like went sliding down. And I was like, I won. (laughs) And I was so happy. Like I woke up and was just like jumping around the house with excitement, like super pumped. I did it. I did it. I can do anything. And what I got from that just that feeling, like the difference in I would usually if I didn't become lucid, I, that girl would have beat the shit out of me in my dreams and I would have <laughs> woken up feeling so defeated, so weak, like, you know, I can't do anything, randoms are coming and beating me up. Like it was a horrible mm-hmm. feeling the way I would wake up and I was just ecstatic the next morning. Then when I actually thought about that dream a little bit more, like, who is that girl? What did she represent? What was going on there? And for me, I realized that that girl actually was representing exercise and my limiting belief around my capabilities of what I could and couldn't do. The fact that she was wearing like a sporty outfit. Mm. Um, she was young and that's kind of how I felt. Uh, there was times throughout my life where I was told I couldn't have kids, that I wouldn't be able to do things, that I'm high risk for miscarriage. So it kind of just showed to me like young fear Um, and also the physical action of me like literally spinning and kicking was like a physical thing. So I was like, oh, wow. And from that day on I exercised almost every day through my pregnancy and I was so happy. I was so healthy. I like couldn't wait to like get out the door and even just go for a walk. Like I was so active and I had the best physical pregnancy just because all because of that one dream changed the whole nine months. And after having the baby, I was so happy. I didn't have postpartum depression. Like I, I bounced back within like a few weeks. Everyone was like, Oh my God, where'd the baby come from? You look incredible, you know? And it wasn't (laughs) coming from an egotistical place of of not wanting to put on weight or anything like that. It was just purely I knew I could do it and I enjoyed doing it and it made me feel powerful and made me feel good to be able to do that. And I feel like a dream gave me that gift. And ever since then I've just been so fascinated with the messages that come within dreams, the interpretation of what they give to us, and the action that we can take from them to change our lives trajectory. Yeah, it's beautiful. Wow. Very cool. Having witnessed a woman go through pregnancy twice myself, uh, I know the struggle. (laughs) (laughs) I know it very well. Oh, man, that's so cool. Did your wife have stronger dreams when she was pregnant? Um, I would say yes. I don't, they, they weren't as terror, like terrorizing as it sounds like they were for you. Mm. Um, sounds like the dreams were trying to call you onto the path to me. That's like what I hear in that. Yeah. And yeah. So I feel like my dreams at the start of doing dream work were terrorizing in general. Like, My life hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows and everything nice. It is that now. But beforehand, I had a pretty rough uh, 
relationship to myself in my childhood as I was growing up. And I spent a lot of time with psychologists and psychiatrists and on and off medications for mental health and things like that. And I had a lot of like, like you would say, like limiting beliefs and ego problems and relationship issues and like um, feelings of lack and um, a whole bunch of issues that I needed to work through that I wasn't working through. I was kind of suppressing everything my whole life because I didn't know how to deal with things. And it just all erupted in like mental health issues. And then when I started to dream and you see from that dream that I just told the huge shift that it had in me. So now I just use all of my dreams as therapy. And because I do that and I take action from the dreams, even a nightmare we, we know, I know now is there to help us. Right. So Mm -hmm. now that I take action on that, I feel like I've cleared up a lot of my nightmares and negative tormenting dreams have all gone away until I like start going off track with myself. And if I'm doing something that I shouldn't be, or I have a problem or I'm choosing not to notice something in my life on purpose, it will show up in a dream. Um, but yeah, I just feel like once you work through all the nightmares, then all the really cool, like psychic and fun and spiritual and yeah, like growthful dreams then come through. So yeah, it's just interesting to see, like, you can definitely tell a lot about a person by what their dreams are like, whether they're like happy or nightmares or what. Well, you've already given so many pieces of advice that I would love for our listeners to take note of. I I wish I had a notepad. I should be writing this all down. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I'm a moderator at the Reddit Dreams uh, subreddit. So dreams.reddit.com. And Mm -hmm. so I've I've been doing it for years. And I'm I've heard all the questions and gotten all the feedback from people. I have a good feel for what they dream about and how they react to their dreams. And one of the most common questions is, why can't I have better dreams? And you just gave the answer, Melissa, because what you're saying is the dreams are kind of front-loading the things that you need to deal with. And if you do that, then the fun dreams come behind them. And this yes. is something that people will say is that go, I, I, you know, I hear about other people having these dreams about flying and going on adventures and meeting their favorite celebrities and palling around with them, you know, just dreams that are these awesome experiences. And they're like, well, I keep dreaming about, you know, someone walking up on the, walking up to me on the street and punching me in the face, <laughs> you know, and they, they, they feel like they're being like excluded or even mm-hmm. like antagonized by their dreams. And so you've just shared something really valuable that you can get to the, the better dreams as long as you'll work through the material, because this is where dreams go first. They find the places in you where you're wounded or you're broken or you've got something that you need to figure out for yourself. You're stuck in some way. So once you do that and you work with the dreams and then take the steps in your waking life that you need to do, do the inner work, then you can start having these better, you know, it sounds to me like you're having a ball in your dreams. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I noticed was that you, you had these recurring dreams about people coming up and wanting to fight you. And boy, does that scream inner conflict Mm -hmm. in, in some kind of conflict with yourself because 
you know, in dream psychology, they teach that your dream characters are aspects of yourself personified. So if you have these characters coming up and, you know, just trying to start fights with you in your dreams, you'd really want to look at yourself and go, well, how does that reflect how I am with myself? How is it? And I am in some way, how do I beat myself up? How is it that I'm in conflict with myself? How is it that there's something about me that I feel like I don't want to accept? And then it comes into your dream and it says, okay, you're going to deal with me now. You can't get away. <laughs> We're in, you're in my space now. So I think it's great that you've just, in the first minutes of this interview, have just given out so many little nuggets that our listeners are going to be able to pick up on and hopefully apply to their own lives. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Can I piggyback on that real quick? I, uh, I do want to, I just want to make it clear to anybody who's listening who, who is new to dream work that if I'm hearing you too correctly, at least this is the way that I would look at it is like, all right, if you're having repetitive recurring nightmares, yeah, I'm sure if you face that head on, the dreams will move on to something hopefully better. <laughs> but that's not to say like you're in the clear for the rest of your life. Like, uh, I think, I think if I could just make it clear that if you're having recurrent themes, that that's the psyche's way of like really trying to get your attention on something that you really need to have your attention on and that you really, for whatever reason, it's pressing right now for you and that it's really there to help you to work through that and to get over that and to whatever you got to do, whatever you're, whatever you're not wanting to face. Uh, like, especially if you're running from things, then usually you're like, you're trying to run away from something that you really got to deal with. If you're getting involved in fights, then you're like fighting with yourself over something. I would have to imagine like, based on the way you just told it, that you're having this fight with yourself about, insecurity of gaining weight during pregnancy which i know is a huge thing for women uh and probably the exercise piece like thinking that you can't do it because you got to protect the baby there's this push-pull kind of like thing happening there and so your dream is beautiful in the way that you're like knock the chick out <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna do this weird oh man it's so awesome uh yeah so i think I just wanted to make it clear that I don't think like the dreams just get eternally better. I think uh, there will always be something that the psyche brings up definitely. to the surface for you. Yeah, definitely. If just ever, as long as you're as long as you're like meeting the dreams where they where they are and what they're trying to bring to you, I think it's it's your willingness to go there with them that allows it to not feel so. Mm. Damn it, like terrorizing, I think is probably the word. Definitely the willingness to go there is something that helped me as well. So when I understood that nightmares aren't just to like make us relive and taunt us, you know, relive trauma and things like that, it's to help us in a way. When I understood that they were there to help me, I was willing to see what they had to say. But prior to that, I didn't understand that. I didn't want to know what they had to say. I was trying to block them out as such. Um, and I think that's also the difference in if you're trying to block it out, it's just going to keep coming back. Yeah. And you don't need to be 
lucid to face the bad dream in any way. All you need to do is be willing to watch it through until the end and and not wake yourself up out of fear and understand that there's a storyline, there can be guidance in the symbols, watch it out like a movie, and then in waking life try to figure out what it's trying to tell you on how you could better your life and then actually take action from it. And by doing that, that will, well, it will, it has for me stopped the repetitive nightmares. And yes, they will always still come. Bad dreams will always still come. But I kind of get excited about a bad dream these days because I'm like, oh, this is going to (laughs) be juicy. Like something extra good always comes from the extra bad dreams. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's just not being afraid and just looking at it with curiosity and a, a way to develop yourself. And I think that that is a really quick way to overcome the negative dreams. Yeah, that's beautiful. And if I could say this too to add to it is to like, uh, after you wake up, to be willing to move close to the material. Uh, yes. To, to Even be if it's a to baby feel step. It. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to just continue to allow yourself to move closer to it, I think is a, is a really powerful way to, to be with the dream and to allow it to continue to live in you and to work through it in that way has been really helpful for me. Um, but I, I really want to get to the big story here. Um, and I think I have a cool way to transition to that. So as long as you're good, are you good to move yeah. forward there and you, Jay? Yeah. yeah, man, let's do it. Okay. So we just heard a little bit about the fact that you're in this really great place and you have a family and you have a, a loving husband and it sounds like things are amazing. Uh, it sounds like from what we know about your story is that there was almost another marriage that had happened and you had a really, I'm guessing it was quite the dream to, what was it, weeks before your, your wedding to, to call it off? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, she hasn't told us pretty much any more of the story than that and uh, she has not told us a dream yet. I wanted to be fully shocked at what the dream could be that could call off someone's wedding. And especially since you weren't even like doing dream work at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So this is like, damn, like you really must've had something happen that you're like, no, I gotta actually, I gotta listen (laughs) to this. Um, Yeah. It was one of those. If you want to, if you want to, sorry, I don't mean to step on you. you. Um, Yeah. If you want to kind of give us a little bit of the backstory, like, Kind of like how long were you with this guy or like any bit of the backstory you wish to tell sure. that will help us kind of understand. Definitely. Okay. So a little bit of my life story. I'll give you just a little bit of my life story first and then it'll take you into when I met him and the dream and what happened there. So yeah, please. Um, I'll just let give you a pre-warning that I am neurodivergent, so I apologize in advance if I get too excited about something. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I'll talk over the top of people or I'll speak quickly, and I am working on that, so bear with me. Um, as everything that comes out, I do not have a filter. So <laughs> it's it'll, it always makes for an interesting story anyway, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> awesome. Um, so... Being neurodivergent means I have a lot of excess energy, like 
heaps of it. And because when I was younger, I also struggled a lot with relationships and I had a terrible time at school because of it. So I was, I just struggled a lot and I needed to do something to help me. So I started exercising to kind of get rid of all the the energy and all of that. And in doing so, I just started to get a really good body <laughs> and that drew a lot of attention from males, um, especially this one who I'm going to call him Mr. X. I was kind of worried about privacy for the people who knew me back then, um, but that, that'll that do, that'll do, that's fine. So basically I was getting really fit. I was probably like early 20s and um, I met this guy because I was renting a house and his mum was my landlord, right? So I've like showed up to the house to look at the place and there's this guy there looking at me like, oh, she's cute. And then I moved in with my friend and on the weekend we were out and he came up to me and he's like, I think your bedroom used to be my bedroom. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like how romantic. That was his pickup line. (laughs) Anyway, we got along really well and he was into the gym as well. And he knew I exercised and Back then it wasn't such a big thing as it is today because there was no such thing as Instagram or anything like that. It was just, we just enjoyed it, right? So we got along really well. It felt like, it felt like kind of a love at first sight fairy tale type situation. And very quickly he decided that he wanted to move in and he actually proposed to me after dating for four months. Wow. Right now, I did see this as a little bit of a red flag. I was kind of like, mate, I don't actually know you yet. (laughs) So (laughs) I put a time limit on it and I, I was like, okay, look, I'll say yes, but I don't want to get married for at least two years. Now, as I was saying this number to him, I'm like, where is that coming from? I don't know why, but I was very like, it has to be two years. So (laughs) I don't know why, but I just went with it. (laughs) And I'm so glad I did. Um, which is, it's funny because for the whole two years that we were together, it was great. Like lovely guy. Yeah. He was like, all right, no worries. (laughs) Lovely guy. Never fought with me. Like he put me on a pedestal, thought I was great. We'd never argue. Like everything was good. I never, like there was no issues. I, I trusted him everything. Totally trusted him. And then we were six weeks out from our wedding and I had this dream. So I'll tell you the dream. We, it was my wedding day. So because this dream was so close to our actual wedding day, it was at the location. So we had obviously the location booked, the whole wedding planned, photographers, food, like everyone was invited, dress, suit, everything was planned. So in my dream, I'm at the location and it's my wedding day. And I'm standing at the top of these really steep stairs that go down into this like mansion of a property that has a big overlooking, like big infinity pool that looks out over Coffs Harbour in Australia, which is like a beach area. And we were like up in a mountain. 
So I'm very like up very high. I'd like to say I'm also scared of heights. <laughs> so there was a bit of fear going on there and I'm thinking, why did I pick this location? But it was beautiful. But in the dream, the thing that I noticed that was different is it was at nighttime in the dream. So it's nighttime. There was a storm with like sideways rain. There was like lightning everywhere, thunder. It was like had this really ominous, scary feeling to it. And I'm standing at the top of the aisle, which is at the top of these steep stairs about to go down. And I looked down and my wedding dress was like red instead of white, but it was like a blood red. It was like a spooky red. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> but anyway, the show must go on. So I like go to go down the aisle and I look up and I like look for my groom and there he is. But you know how the man like faces away from you and you see their back and then as the bride starts walking down the aisle usually the groom then turns around so that situation happened and he turned around and he just had no face at all it was like blurred out like like just skin no face and it freaked me out <laughs> but this isn't what caused me to call off the wedding. I didn't wake up and go, oh, I had a dream my dress was red, like, and you had no face, let's not get married. But the interesting thing is what happened, it was like within the next few days, like maybe two or three days later. So dreams ended, it's now real life. Just coming home from work, check the mail. And I'm like, just looking, there was a letter for me from the bank and I don't, I don't care about mail. <laughs> I'm one of those people, I just chuck it in the bin. And I was like, I know how much money is in my bank account. I, it's probably just a statement. I haven't applied for anything, whatever. It's probably just junk, I'll just chuck it in the bin. So I just went to chuck it in the bin and as the lid closed, I like blinked and it felt like the flash of lightning from the dream and I saw the red dress and the no face and I like this image of the dream popped into my head and I was like, whoa. And then it was like, I don't know why, but it caused me just to pick up the letter and open it wow. from the bank. It was just odd. So I opened the letter and it says like, dear Melissa, we're so sorry. Your home loan application has been declined. If there's anything else we can assist you with, please don't hesitate to call us. And I'm thinking, what home loan application? I didn't apply for a home loan application. So I'm thinking, what? So I called them and they're like, yeah, the home loan application that you and your fiance have applied for together. I was like, no. She's like, yeah, he came in last week with your ID and all the forms filled out. Like, is this not something that you wanted? I was like, what do you mean he came in with my ID? And um, wow. so I got all the information from them first and he had made a fake ID of mine. He'd gone to the effort of putting his, he had an investment property and he put that as the address on the fake ID and that's what made me know 
because it pointed it straight to him because he was trying to get the mail and everything sent to the investment property about this loan that he'd gone in on that I had no idea about. So he thought I wouldn't get, he wouldn't get caught. Wow. Um, so. How much was the loan for, do you know? It was something like 500,000. Oof. Jesus. And <laughs> here I am about to marry the guy, like having no idea he was in any financial issues. And um, thanks to that dream, I don't know, it just, when I blinked and I saw it there, it just made me feel like you can't trust him. Like, and I just double checked and it just absolutely, I was blown away. I was in shock for a good couple of weeks. Like, I just couldn't believe it. And then when I looked back at the whole thing, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, why was he proposing so early? Like, if we got married, he would have gotten, like, we didn't have joint bank accounts or anything like that. We didn't have anything joint. So yeah, I spoke to the bank and I'm like, how did you even put this through without me being there? Like, I understand privacy rules for businesses. And she was like, oh, but your ID, your signature, all this stuff. So, um, she lost her job because she didn't check like double check or verify the id properly and i did call the police about it (laughs) because i was like uh you can't do that to someone but they said to me they couldn't do anything because he didn't actually get the loan he goes we can't charge someone for an almost theft like he didn't get the money so there's nothing we can do and i think that like one of i always look for the funny thing in things okay so I think that the funniest thing to me was I also wanted to know why the home loan didn't go through I was like I have a good job like why wouldn't you accept it (laughs) and they I like tracked the records and everything and it turned out like I don't know what you guys call it but we had like blockbuster or video easy you know where you go and hire videos from Mm -hmm. I just hadn't returned a dvd and I had a 20 dollar fine And that is what blocked the home loan from going through. So, yeah, I was so lucky. (laughs) Because, yeah, if if that had gone through and I'd got married, like, oh, yeah. Dang, that's so crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, I I had the dream, found the note, and was just like, sorry, buddy, you're out. Wow. And off he went, called it all off. Yeah, so how did that all go down? Like, did did when you confronted him about it, did he like try to play dumb about it or like I was so surprised like he just was quiet. Like he didn't argue, he didn't really he kind of admitted it but not really, but he just basically like packed his bag and left the house. I was like, uh. um so this came, I spoke to them. This is what they said and he was just like, "Oh, okay." It's like, so we're not getting married. And he was like, okay. And then when I like had to call off the wedding, I didn't know how to tell people. So I just told people I changed my mind and kind of (laughs) left it at that. I was like, (laughs) damn, dude, that's, that's intense. So this is, yeah, this is the first time that this story has been aired anywhere. Um, 
I have like privately told it in class in one of Robert Moss's classes in the closed group with the other teachers and they were all just like, whoa. I think (laughs) it's just a really good example of when you have a big dream, like it's trying to help you. I could have easily just been like, oh, that was just a silly nightmare because I'm nervous about the wedding and brushed it off. Um you know, but I just trusted yeah. and with the rubbish and the bin and the letter, it was just like that instinct, like intuitive knowing. Like I just, yeah, I'm so grateful for my dreams, like eternally grateful. It's so, so amazing. Yeah. Well, I think having heard at the beginning of this conversation that you you have this kind of psychic capacity to you to have that lightning flash and the dream like really just ripped back to your mind uh is a really beautiful testament to that and Mm. way to honor that because if you just shook that off and was like "Ah, whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean hopefully something else would have happened and come across your path that it would have helped you get out of that but yeah there was a couple different things that could have went wrong for you that luckily you were able to catch because you were you were able to like sense that well I don't know that that did flash in my mind pretty intensely and that dream is still kind of like irking me a little bit yeah so yeah that's that's really and there was just that residual feeling like in the dream when I when he turned and I saw that he had no face I had a deep feeling of I don't know this guy. Ooh, I got chills. And that, it was that feeling that really stuck with me, you know? And like as a little girl, girls imagine like when they're going to get married and who's their husband going to be and all that sort of a thing. And my parents are still together and my dad is awesome. So I see their relationship and I think that's what I want. And they're best friends and they're really, really close. And so I've always wanted something like that. So... And not to say Mr. X and I weren't besties. We were, we got along very well, but I just felt that there was more to him that I didn't know because he was such like a, a calm, like flatliner person. Like it just seemed like there was a lot that went on behind him that he didn't speak about. Whereas with me, when you meet me, everybody feels like they already know me because you can't shut me up (laughs) and I have no filter. So what you see is what you get. But then there's those other people that aren't like that. And that was that feeling of like, okay, I actually don't know this guy as well as I thought I did. So, And I Uh didn't ever want to be married to someone that I felt that way. I wanted to really know each other on a much deeper level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that... I can't even tell you the kind of chills that just ripped through my body when you <laughs> you had said that part about not knowing him. Like, wow. That's... Yeah. I also realized this only today when I was thinking about the dream is that the dream was also trying to give me more information about what was going on because to me, having no face, it really sh- like highlighted the topic of identity And when I think about what was actually going on in real life is he was taking my identity to try Uh, to be, to pretend to be me. So it was also in another way, like hinting to me towards like ID. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I got that too. And the other thing was the red dress. And having mm. you a little bit of background on your story from what was shared with me before we got, you know, I only knew the basics of it. But as soon as you said the red dress and that really stuck out to you, I thought, is he trying to bleed you? Mm. Like, mm. you know, if he's <laughs> if he's yes. doing this stuff financially, when they say you've been bled dry, it either means energy or money. Yes. maybe something else, but usually when we use that metaphor, so it seemed real clear and also red is a sign of warning. So mm. I got that too. Do you have any sense, uh, Melissa, if, of what the red dress meant? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely dream? feel like it was a warning. I see it as like, stop, like a stop sign. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. the color, the shade of the red, seeing that. And I knew it was blood, like blood red. It it felt like blood and yeah, it was just felt dangerous and like, I didn't want it. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a very powerful way for the dream to like really make you stop and go, what, wait, what? Yeah. And with the storm (laughs) and everything as well, it was really trying to highlight like, this is a negative thing. Like this isn't good. It was very dark. Whereas like our wedding, I was picturing it to be like a hot, sunny day, blue skies, ocean views, everything like that. And it was like, not like that at all. So how did you know that this wasn't a message for you? Cause you, you, you did mention that you considered the possibility that this was a personal dream, bringing up anxieties and fears about the wedding. Mm. I've, I've had a lot of people at Reddit and, you know, other places who've shared with me these similar sorts of dreams. And we almost always find that it was a message for them. You know, they're afraid that something's going to go wrong in the wedding. They're afraid maybe that they're not ready for this big commitment, but you put two and two together and knew that it had something to do with him. And what Mm -hmm. was, what did you, I think this would be really valuable for people to know if you can tell them how you knew that this was Uh, not just a personal dream manifesting your fears and anxieties about the wedding. Definitely. I think it goes back to that emotional feeling like of, I felt I didn't know him. And that is what the fear was around. Like if it was something, I know I'm trying to think if it was a message for me, I feel like something that would have gone wrong in the dream would have been more directly related to me or like coming back at me, something attacking me, me falling over. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas when I was viewing the dream, it was, I was standing to one side and then turning and viewing him as I was looking to him for comfort as I was walking down the aisle. And when he turned and I saw he had no face, I just... I just knew, I don't know. There's just like a deeper knowing. Yeah. I, that kind of is, is really close to what I was getting at when I was talking about the nightmares with like moving close to the feelings that are present in the dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause especially in dreams like this, that are really trying to communicate something very, <laughs> we'll say dire, uh, like, to be able to sit with that feeling and be like, do I feel this in my waking life? Or is this a f- like the way that this feeling just erupted in me? Is this like to look at that honestly and be like, do I know this guy? 
Like yes, I'm about exactly. to get married to this person. Like, does it does it bring up true feelings of like, wait a minute, uh, I guess I haven't really questioned this yet. Like, <laughs> do exactly. I know this guy? I wasn't having waking anxiety about the wedding. I wasn't like I didn't have any fears about it. I didn't I wasn't worried about my shoes. I wasn't worried about the photographer. Like it wasn't a personal issue because in waking life I was very relaxed about it. Mm. And the the thought that I'm I don't actually know my groom wasn't a thought that I'd consciously had in my waking life. Like I felt like it's pretty straightforward, nice guy, like good cook, goes to the gym, like what a catch. You know, I hadn't actually considered that on a deeper level yet. So when that feeling erupted from the dream, it was something that stopped me in my tracks because I felt like I could feel it right now when I think about it. I can feel it in my solar plexus. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that, that that is, it's just tuning into that emotion and tuning into like how I'm feeling. And it, like, is this, and it is about me in a way because I was going to go along and marry some dude that I didn't really, really know. Um, so it is self-reflective, but it, it was pointing out to, that it was something going on with him as well. Did you know that like deep down inside of yourself going into this, that, you know, up to that point, was there something in you that was saying, slow down, I don't really know this guy, or did that information just seem to come out of the blue? I feel like when he first proposed to me, like, cause we'd only been together for four months. Yes. I had that feeling initially. And then he moved in straight away. So I feel like we got to know each other very well over, you know, the following year and a, over a year and a half. Um, so at the time of the dream, it's not something that I was thinking about at all anymore. Mm, so it sounds like this was some kind of ESP dream. Yeah, because, like, I knew his family very well. I knew his friends. Like, I'd been to his workplace. I knew his whole circle, and there was no red flags going on. It's not like I'd met someone on the internet, fallen in love over a few years, and then met. Do you know what I mean by saying that I feel like I did know him? Yeah. So, yeah, it just really was strong and just, like, it was like a punch in the guts. Like, (laughs) whoa, I didn't realize that. There is a, a, a book, um, uh, Anne Faraday was a, a psychologist who uh, was famous in the 70s. She wrote a couple of best-selling books about dreams. And she says in one of them, she shares a story where she was at a like a weekend couples get together. Well, not really so much couples. There were some couples there, but there were a lot of single people there too. It was at someone's house that she knew well. And there was this guy who'd been invited, like mutual friend kind of thing. She said that he was handsome and charming. And then she had this dream, like her second night there, that he was the director of a play. And all the people there for this weekend retreat were the actors and he was giving them direction, like telling them what to do, telling them where to go on the stage. And she, uh, at the time she really puzzled over the dream because the information in it wasn't fitting with anything that she had consciously perceived to that point. And she couldn't relate it to any personal content either. So she's like, well, maybe it has something to do with him, but I don't know. 
Well, it turned out later she got the information to let to know that this guy was a player. Like he was trying to mac on these different women who were at the, you know, at this weekend retreat. And he stayed in touch with some of them afterwards. And they all found out that he was telling different stories to each of them. But when they got together and kind of shared notes, they were like, wait a minute, this guy is playing us. So just like in the dream where he's the director of a play, she had picked up something about (laughs) his character where he was playing them. And she, she figured she, what she concluded from it was, is that it was a type of ESP dream that she didn't have any information to that point to indicate that there was something about him, that he was a player, Mm. you know, you can pick up subtle things. And I mean, she was a psychologist, so she's trained to notice, you know, to observe people and notice things. But she said that there wasn't anything consciously. And she thought that it wasn't as is often the case where the dream is helping you to put two and two together. And you, when you're dreaming, you have a more free cross association that can happen between various areas of the brain called the larger structure, the mind, you know, it brings in things that you're feeling in the nervous system. And there, there are a lot of people who've kind of put two and two together in their dreams and then realized after the fact that these were things that they knew, but they'd overlooked or that the signals that they'd picked up had been so subtle that it took a dream to kind of put it together for them. But then there are other cases where you can pick up information that's totally unknown to you. And those are the ones where the conclusion is, is that it must be some kind of extrasensory perception. Mm. Um, so I was, yeah. And I think you gave some great advice there on how to know the difference for one, you know, you weren't in the dream. The action wasn't directed at you. So there's less, it's less likely to mean that the dream is about you working through something related to the wedding. You know, we mentioned earlier anxieties mm. or fears or something like that. So that was a, that is a really good clue. And two is just your intuition and the things that you're feeling while you're dreaming. And then I imagine afterwards, while you're reflecting on the dream, gave you that intuitive sense of this is about him and there's something about him that I don't know. And the dream is sending up a red flag because I'm about to make this huge commitment and once I get into this, it's going to be really hard to get out of it. Would you, fair as Melissa, is that a fair summary of? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, like you said just then with the ESP thing, I can even relate that back to my dream where Stephen showed up. Like there was, <laughs> was things say. that came to me in that dream that I had no idea, nobody else besides him knew that those were thoughts that he was having about some of my podcast episodes, right? And then in my dream, I've picked up on that information. So, yeah. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is hard at first uh, to figure out whether, you know, whether the dream is for me and if it's, you know, me making something up or um, if it is actually about someone else. But, yeah, it's just kind of doing the internal work first and going, is it, isn't it? And sometimes it can even just be it doesn't matter. It's a funny conversation starter like, People love, I don't know, I love it when people message me and go, hey, you were in my dream last night. Like, I love that. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just pass it on and let him know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. 
But well, yeah, it's very share... trippy. Like it blows my mind. I love it. I absolutely love it when there's proof of things like that. Yeah, that's why I felt obligated to say something to you. I've done like... it actually multiple times. I'll just share this one. It's pretty quick. I went to a dream temple retreat thing. It was like an overnight group dreaming session. And in the night before bed, we were to write a letter to our dream, like the thing that brings us our dream. And we had to visualize if our dream was an image or or something that we could actually see and visualize, what would we picture? Now, I love this question just because it's creative. Like have a think now. If your creator of your dreams was to sit on your bed, what would they look like? And um, someone said, like, for example, the Sandman. Like, I can see that, right? Um, Anyway, as we were falling asleep, my dreams start happening. And my dream was just a transparent body with a sky blue jumper on. So it was just looked like there was a floating uh, cardigan or jumper or whatever it is sitting on my bed. And it was kind of introducing itself to me. And then I looked over in my dream and I saw piano keys coming down through the ceiling to go to the person that was sleeping next to me. And in the morning, we're going around in a circle sharing our dreams and the guy next to me says, I don't remember any of my dreams, so, like, move on. I'm just loving listening to all of yours. And then when I explained mine and I was, like, pointing and then I saw piano keys coming down here he went white as a ghost and his jaw dropped and he's like, <laughs> I need to interrupt you there. I'm like, what? And he's like, piano keys was my dream. And he's like, I've just, I'm obsessed with the piano. I play it all the time. My nighttime dreams aren't great, but piano is my dream. <laughs> like, and so that was also like another really, really awesome time where this like ESP thing has come through. I just love showing people the power that's in dreams and like gobsmacking people with it. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the (laughs) a lot of the episodes that we we've done have some quality of this that I think has been so magical and like beautiful to be able to showcase where it's like, yeah, dreams have a psychological component to them. Dreams have many different layers to them, but they also have this really beautiful, spooky way of like being interfaced in this really deeper human connected way that we pick up on stuff from other people in our lives or even strangers that we don't know. And uh, it's pretty wild to see like how, how deeply connected we truly are. And dreams are like such a beautiful, like, Mm. Like uh, like a window into what that actually like really looks and feels like. I think it's really cool to see like dream telepathy kind of stuff, and which me calling you on the phone, FaceTiming, like cell phones to me are always like a a symbol of like dream telepathy. Anytime I get a phone call from somebody in a dream and they have a Mm -hmm. message or they say something to me. Usually it's like actually something that like in your case with me calling you is like a message that that actual person has for you. I I think I've had a dream in the past where uh, my partner, I've been with her for 14 years almost now, 
And when we first got together, we were living, she was out here in Minneapolis and I was living in New York City. And I would have dreams every so often where she would call me in my dream and she would tell me something that like was on her, on her heart or like bothering her. And I would call her the next day and be like, hey, I had this dream. Uh, this is what you told me, like everything okay? And like, she's like, wow, <laughs> that's kind of actually like really like weighing on me. Um, and so, yeah, I just find it fascinating that like cell phones in general are kind of like this invisible way that we talk to each other across distances. And in a dream, like for me, cell phones have been like this really powerful symbol of like that kind of direct communication happening um so yeah back in the uh, olden days it used to be letters and and uh, people would have dreams about receiving letters mm, and the mm -hmm. information content in them i suppose now it would be like email or text message but it's kind of the same idea that you're actually receiving information from well as bob haas called it or the dream the body unconscious network yeah i love the, that term so the much. body it's unconscious <laughs> And there's a network through the unconscious that connects everyone together. Uh, Dr. Bernie Beitman uh, calls it the psychosphere. He says that there's this uh, shared aspect of the psyche that in the same way that the planet has an atmosphere, the combination of humanity, you know, all people together, we make this thing called humanity, that we share this psychosphere and through the psychosphere, we can exchange information. Um, it mostly happens while dreaming, but it's a—it's not like the network shuts down when you're awake. It's just that usually you're too preoccupied with your conscious thoughts yeah. and sensory perceptions to be able to pick up these sort of subtle cues and messages that are coming in um, from this other side of the brain or mind. And... Um, uh, so when you're asleep, your senses are shut down and you're not in a normal sort of, you know, your, your, your thoughts kind of shift. And so you can start picking up this information more easily. The uh, Rhine uh, Research Institute, Louisa Rhine, uh, was the wife of J.B. Rhine. And J.B., of course, was known best for his research, early research into ESP. And she kept track over decades of all these reports that people had of psychic experiences. And she said that about two thirds of them, of those reports were things that people experienced in their dreams. So two out of three, it tells you that there's hmm. for one, you know, they got thousands of these reports. So it tells you that there's a lot of people having these experiences. Um, but two is, is that it's the dreaming makes us more receptive to these experiences. And of course, our last guest, Kristen, spoke of dreams for her, you know, as, as somebody who yeah. has, you know, strong psychic functioning. She said that um, a lot of this also came to her through her dreams. So um, I think it's really cool, Melissa, that you're, you know, so that your dreams have done this for you. And what I, I'm curious is, are you now, did the, I'm picturing something and I want you to tell me whether this is accurate or not, but I'm picturing that your dreams kind of introduced you to something that you know now that you can do and that maybe you're branching out more because you, you know, you've, 
you do identify yourself as having this psychic functioning going on. Are you, has dreaming made you more comfortable with that and perhaps made you better or more receptive to it? Definitely. I, I, I suppose because I feel that the messages come through so much clearer in sleep, like I do sense things psychically when I'm awake, but it's not as strong. Um, it comes out better actually when I'm awake. If I've had a few drinks, I think it kind of like lowers inhibitions and just lets information come in a bit better. Uh, but I'm not a big drinker, so I don't really want to be doing that. <laughs> um, but dreaming definitely has brought that through stronger and the thing that has been helping me to like feel my power in it is because I'm able to validate the experiences that I'm receiving and going through in my dreams to the people that it's related to. So here's something else that kind of touches on the topic that we were talking about earlier. And when I receive a psychic dream that's for myself Usually the way that it presents to me is that in my dream something happens and then I view it as a video on a screen. So like you were saying the phone, when you get a phone call, that's a strong message for you. When I'm in a dream and I'm watching a video of something that say in the dream, oh, this happened yesterday, ha, 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 how funny is it? And someone's showing me a video on a screen that's how I know that this is a message for me and that the character or whatever's going on in the video is a version of me that I need to be looking out for that I don't repeat in real life, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like a warning <laughs> of what could possibly happen. Um, and it's very, it's just funny because I've only just realized that and I um I had a dream and ignored it and shouldn't have. And it was just like, I was so like one of my best friends getting drunk and being an idiot and dancing on the table and all this stuff. And <laughs> I just like laughed it off and, and then totally forgot about it. And two days later, that was me, mate. I was having a blast at a friend's party, but like it ended up, it just wasn't great. I shouldn't have drunk as much. And my dreams were trying to show me that because she, it was using my friend as the character, as a version of me. I'm watching it in the video, which it's kind of just gives me previews of what could possibly happen in the future. And then I know, okay, if I see it in a camera, that's me. Like I need to do whatever um, to listen mm. to it. So I find that interesting. But then I've also been using dreams on behalf of other people. It's not something that I advertise or I do publicly at all yet, like, but I definitely have like dream oracle skills where I can go to bed and think of a problem for other people. I've only tested this with my sister and my husband, but they've given me specific questions of things that they want to know or they need help with. And I've been able to go asleep, have a dream and come back with very specific, very detailed information that has changed the trajectory of their lives and what what they what they need help with. So I suppose when I can come back and, and give these answers to people of stuff that I know I didn't come up with those answers. Like 
They're great. I wish I'd come up with them, but it's obviously <laughs> channeled through me. Nice. And then I'm able to pass that on. And it's, I've had two very happy customers, <laughs> but I find it has to be some, the question has to be something that they actually need and it can't be like something silly or superficial. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been a really interesting journey. Wow. That's so cool. I have a really funny story about being drunk and having a psychic moment yeah. at a wedding. <laughs> so it Tell like, us. <laughs> it ties into all the facets of the story. Uh, so, yeah, I was, let's see. So my brother, okay, it was my brother's girlfriend's cousin's wedding. And my brother was like, I really would appreciate it if you could come with me. It's in the boondocks. It's going to be a full-on redneck wedding. I'm a little freaked out about it. Uh, will you come with me? And I'm like, sure, that sounds awesome. Uh, and so we went. Sure enough, the bride had this beautiful white gown on. She had a piece of camo stitched into her dress. Uh, all of the groomsmen had these hunter orange vests on. And when the bride and groom kissed, the bride's father shot off his shotgun off the side. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so anyways, that ceremony lasted about 10 minutes. And then we just went into full-on drinking. It was all day. Uh, they had a ton of food. And I kept just kept feeling like I needed to talk to one of the groomsmen. There was this one guy in particular. I don't know why I just felt... Like, my spider senses were tingling. I was like, there's something about this guy. At some point tonight, I got to figure out how I can talk to him for whatever reason. And I just kind of keep letting the night kind of go as it will. And I'm not, like, forcing the issue. But I'm like, well, as soon as I see him alone or, like, we're in proximity, I'll kind of, like, nod at him or something and try to initiate it. And so I, like, for it, I'm getting drunk. All of a sudden, it's nighttime. The guy is just off from me and my brother and his girlfriend and he's standing all alone and I just stumble over to him and just this feeling comes over me I have no idea how to explain it I've never had this happen since or before and I walk up to him and I just say to him in this really creepy tone of voice I say hey James and he, he rips around and he looks at me and he's like how you know how how do you know what my name is? And I'm like, and I kind of snap out of it, and I'm like, uh, I have no idea why I just said that, dude. And he goes, No, you don't understand. Like, nobody here knows my name is James. They all think it's Scott. How the fuck do you know my name is James? And I'm like, I don't know. And my brother and his <laughs> girlfriend were like over here, and they're like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like. I don't know. And he just he just runs around in this big circle screaming at the top of his lungs, like totally freaked the fuck out. And he uh <laughs> all of a sudden I hear people like trying to call him, like calm down, and they're like, Scott, Scott, what's wrong, man? And I'm just sitting there going, What just happened? <laughs> and so he uh he was totally freaked. His fiance had no idea his name was James. Uh Everybody was all freaked out. Like, I was just some random dude who showed up at this wedding. Like, nobody outside of my brother's girlfriend knew who I was. Uh, 
And I just like, I get so tickled by that. Like, why did that have to come through me? Like, what was it about him not telling people his real name that like was needing to come out like that? Um, but I like try to imagine myself in his situation, having this weird, creepy dude who like nobody knows just like shows up at the wedding like this harbinger of uh, a prophecy or like some kind of weird wizard like archetype shows up and drops this bomb on the party. <laughs> You may like, have man. completely changed his life. You might have just like <laughs> broken him out of the matrix and made him understand that there's more, there's yeah. way more than he thinks. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Like, yeah. should follow up with him his... and see how he is today. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so funny. Oh. He's like a cipher in the movie. He's like, look, I just want my stake. Put me back in. Plug me in. I don't care. You <laughs> well, know, everybody you at the wedding your... now has to yeah. like stand witness to like. What, how, how did that happen? Like, they're all like kept pressing, like, my brother's girlfriend, like, how did he know? Like, it doesn't make any sense to any of us. <laughs> yeah. If it's an unknown, unknown, you know, like, this is gets into that area where you go, well, if it's not ESP, you can try to come up with other answers, but it really is a stretch because this is unknown information. That, I mean, he was the only one present that knew that his name was James. Yeah. there's no one else there that would know. So there's no chance that maybe you overheard someone, you know, I mean, I suppose you could say it just kind of randomly came out of your mouth, but, but the way it know, came through me, like was not of yeah. me. Like it, like it <laughs> felt like something used me in that moment with all of my drunken glory, just like this guy is pretty loose. Well, and then like just to like have that feeling the whole wedding. Like we were there all day and this was at like the end of the night. Like like why? Like I just, uh, it was it was I think the, the more that I think about it. Like the I got chills right now and I'm just I like I do. I think it was the alcohol as well. I've done the same thing where I was at an RSL and I was very drunk and this guy came over to join the group I'd never seen or met before and he stood next to me. And as soon as he stood next to me, I turned to him and I said, ah, doesn't your neck hurt? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was kind of like, what am I talking about? Did I just say that? And he, but he was like, no, seriously, what are you talking about? How do you know that? And I was like, what do you mean? And yeah, it turned out he had uh, a broken neck with like discs in it or something. And because it was cold at night, it was making it hurt more. And he did have a very sore neck and he (laughs) did. Yeah. Neither of us could, uh, I couldn't explain it, but I put it down to the tequila. Yeah, that's very well, similar. I, I mean, it. it's so funny. His reaction is so similar. Like, <laughs> yes. no, like, no, like, how do you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I had someone share with me a dream where they were, um, he met someone and uh, had this great time with her in the dream and found out her first and last name. And that she had in the dream, she had showed him some personal things about herself, which would come in later, like, the, the, this became really relevant later because he said that he was, it was a couple of weeks later, he was in a grocery store, just walking down the aisle. He sees this person coming the other way and he gets thunderstruck. He's like, that was the girl that I dreamed about. So he tried an experiment as he was walking, kind of walking by her. He said the first name, what she said in the dream, you know, let's say her name is Jenny. 
And he's like, Jenny. And she looks at him and she's like, who are you? You know, with that look on her face. <laughs> That's pretty So creepy. then he says her last name. No. And she's like, well, have we met somewhere? You know, like, how do, how do I know you? Because it was correct. First and last name were both correct. Wow. Had never met this person anywhere. And this was kind of before, you know, social media where you could be like, you know, well, if you're in a small enough place and you've got 5,000 Facebook friends, there's probably at some point that you've seen just about everybody's name, right? At least in your social group or age group. But he mm -hmm. was in a big city and this was before a lot of the stuff with uh, social media kind of linked everybody together. So to be able to get her first and last name and then the real topper was they got to know each other and she shared a story where she had been hospitalized and showed him the scars that were on her back from this bad injury that she'd gotten. And in the dream, she had told him all about it also. So he had first name, last name, and this personal information about her recent hospitalization, what caused it, you know, how she spent months and went through all these surgeries and all this stuff. And so he had three points of information that were all unknown unknowns that sure enough, turned out to be true about this person. I talked wow. with him quite a bit and then I followed up with him um, a couple months later and I asked like, well, how are things going between you? Because oftentimes people think, well, if there's this cosmic connection with someone through dreams, that it must mean that we're meant, you know, like maybe we're soulmates and we're meant to be together. But he said, no, we just, you know, we're just good friends. It never developed into anything more than that. And I don't think either of us are actually very interested in that. He said, though, that he eventually fessed up that he knew from a dream. He's like, I, I got to tell her this. But he was afraid that she would think that she, he'd been stalking her or mm -hmm. something, you know. And so he, um, he, he said, though, that eventually he kind of fessed up to it while they're having coffee or whatever. And she looks at him and she's like, that is so cool. <laughs> and it turned out that she was really in the dreams and it started off on this whole, yeah. So, you know, we can be given this information through dreams about people and, um, there's no conventional explanation for it. And I've stopped trying to, there, yeah. it, there is a, a, an ESP functioning. This is a natural function of the mind. Most people though are afraid of it. I think, uh, Melissa, at one point you even said that there's, this was something that you were kind of afraid of before you got yeah. familiar with it. Now, can you, can you go into that? Like what made you afraid of? So my mom, my mom is psychic. She, she used to do it as her job when I was little and she doesn't anymore. And she would do things like, she, there was, there was one that was like a very heartwarming, but I thought, oh, this is really cool where she, um, communicated for a person who was in a coma and the guy was telling her that he just had cold feet. He wanted some warm socks on and to play this particular type of music. And so she communicated that to the family and they went and did it. And when he came out of the coma, he thanked them and said, that's exactly what I wanted. Like, thank you so much. Um, so that was really inspiring. And then she started getting really, really good at it and started doing, um, sort of working with the police and investigation around murders. 
And I know that in the episode with Kristen, Caddy, that you guys just did, you were kind of talking about this topic. But basically what they got my mum to do was to go into a home where a crime had happened and they didn't tell her any information and they'd ask her what happened. And she would feel exactly what happened, you know, have the whole experience. And she'd come home and tell me about it. And she was just wiped out like for days. She was exhausted. It was like traumatizing for her because she was then kind of reliving someone else's murder, if you know what I mean. And um, I knew that, you know, she has this gift. I knew that I had this gift because there was just things as a kid, like I'd be walking along the street, minding my own business. And um, I saw a man on the other side of the road and my skin crawled. Like I was like, I need to get away from that person as quick as possible. Like I would just get weird, overwhelming feelings like that and just be like, what is happening? And I just see like images or quick flashes of like rapes or, um, you know, assaults and things of strangers on the street that I didn't even know Um, so experiencing that as a young child really freaked me out and I kind of tried to shut it down and you know I just became very egotistical I was working out a lot I um, I did modeling professional fitness modeling for 10 years and it was pretty easy to just kind of ignore it until I'd get drunk and then like weird things would start (laughs) happening again and I was like ah um yeah and then now just growing up learning how to do like psychic protection and using dreams and sort of like putting my own barriers up and down to say when it's okay for messages to come in or not and the the thing that really I suppose stopped me from being scared about it all is learning about death a little bit more and seeing how dreams and death are so related and it's like because I've built a friendly relationship with my dreams now I'm not scared to die and I'm not scared of people on the other side because I have communicated as well like doing mediumship through dreams Um, and it's not something to be afraid of in any way whereas in the past if you'd said to me dying is just like dreaming I'd be like oh God, no, I do not want to die because then I think I'd get chucked into a nightmare, you know. <laughs> Whereas now I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. It's just, you know, another another realm that we can go to. Like, I'm not worried about it at all. So that um, really took away a lot of the fear that I had around it. So I think that the, the message that I have for anyone that is scared of their psychic abilities or, you know, having any of these qualities is that you shouldn't be any more scared of that than you are of your real life now. Because I feel like people on the other side are exactly the same, sometimes better than they were in real life in the world, right? So they can't really hurt you any more than than they could here, if you know what I mean. So I just feel like don't be scared because it's not any worse than our reality. Yeah, you know, it's funny on these ghost hunter shows and stuff, you'll see them like calling out the ghost and acting like it's some kind of monster or something. And you're like, well, if if it's really a ghost, what it is, is a person who's stuck here for whatever reason or holding on to um, their idea or notion of physical life. So it's a if you're talking to a ghost, you're talking to a person. Exactly. But we get all freaked out about it instead. And 
Yeah. So I, I'll see it on these shows where you get these people who are supposedly like paranormal investigators and they just show their cluelessness about what <laughs> it really is that they're dealing with. Um, so I, I think that's you great could have advice. An angry, if you can have an angry person, I guess you could have an angry ghost, which could be scary, but yeah, maybe, or, maybe not in the way of like uh, thinking about how horror movies pro- <laughs> produce ghost-like characters that are on that level of creepy. I don't know about that. All right, Melissa. So you said that I appeared briefly in one of your dreams also before we did this um, uh, episode. So this he recording. Did. So yeah, let's let's so, hear about that. So two nights ago. Yeah, let's ago, call you out now. Yeah, actually, well, I don't know. You tell me. I don't know if there's anything in particular. See, I think this one may be a personal one for me, but there might be some aspects of it that you might recognize. Um, so I was in like, uh, I was with my daughter and we were at the shops and she needed to go to the bathroom. So I took her to like the disabled toilets cause it's a big cubicle, the shopping trolleys in there, everything. Now she's four. So she went to the bathroom. That's fine. She went to like wash her hands. And then I went to use this, the bathroom in the same room. And because it was one of those big rooms, I couldn't like reach the door to close it. And my daughter walked over and unlocked the door. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like in the middle of doing a wee, <laughs> lock that door. And she just ran off and like started playing with the hand dryer. And then a man walked in and I think it was you, Jason. It was like, I don't know what you look like either. I haven't met you. All I could say was um, a bit of gray hair, um, kind of maybe like 10 or 20 years older than me. and. Um, I think there was like a white T-shirt and like a grey blazer or something. And you kind of walked <laughs> in <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm in here. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry and closed the door. But the thing that I noticed in the dream is that I was, as I was sitting on the toilet, I had this yellow dress on. So the yellow dress was totally protecting me because it was like going over me that you couldn't see anything anyway. So it was just this awkward, oh, okay, sorry didn't mean to intrude and you left straight away. And when I woke up, I'm like going, oh, that was a funny thing. And then I realized that the question I posed to myself as I was falling asleep was like, I was thinking about this podcast and I was like, show me something that could be helpful in how I approach this. And when I woke up, I instantly thought, well, that dream wasn't related But then when I actually looked into the feelings, like we said, like, look at the emotion first, the thing in the dream that I was thinking about was my privacy. And I was like, oh, this guy's coming in, like there's some privacy issues. And I think that's because I wasn't really sure how to approach the big dream that we talked about, the the wedding dream. And then when I think, okay, well, what protected me and solved the problem in my dream. And the thing that solved the problem was this yellow dress that I was wearing. So I looked up color psychology of yellow and it just made me feel so much more comfortable to jump on here and do this episode with you guys and share all of this information because the color psychology behind yellow, it's the color of optimism 
Um, it's a compelling colour that conveys youthful and fresh energy. It's uplifting and illuminating and it's associated with success and confidence. So um, it also says that it helps with clear thinking and quick decision making. And I felt like that was like great guidance on the energy that I should bring to the episode and the way that I should think about this thing, because it's not a privacy issue at all. No names were mentioned. The story's true. And by looking at it with this idea of yellow and optimism and success and confidence, it's like that dream is actually a really positive dream. I was kind of worried that I would come across as like this negative Nancy, you know, bagging out her ex (laughs) and I didn't want to portray that because it just doesn't feel like me so um yeah that was the dream and I feel like it was just like a little hint of some guidance for me and yeah it just did relate it back to this so it was an interesting little scene and an interesting little snippet um of guidance so yeah that's really cool uh, well let me tell you Jason is gonna say what he's gonna say uh, can you open up your Instagram private messages? I sent you a picture of them. Oh, really? Okay, great. I'm going to look right now. <laughs> Go All, ahead, right. Jake. <laughs> All right. Well, before I, because she gave a description of what she saw in the dream. and Which we'll is let her, fucking spot on. We'll really? Let her see. Yes! Well, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then the beard, the facial hair. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all all weekend I was joking about no play for Mr. Gray was my I, I kept saying that because I was with my brother and he's younger than me and he's not gray yet. So but it's showing in the beard. My beard is now getting, you know, I have some whiskers and they're I mean, they're practically white. So and there's a little bit of gray in the hair. Um I'm fifty-three. So you're in your early thirties. You said you yeah. had a sense that the guy was about twenty years older than you. Yeah. Now now here's going to be a real mind blower for you. Um, I over this weekend I flew out of town and got back two days later, and it would have been um, either Monday, but I have a sense that it was actually Saturday when we were on our way out. I was in the airport and I walked into the wrong bathroom. I walked wow. into the girls' bathroom. I kid you not. Oh and my god. So, <laughs> So get this. Okay. So I kind of look on the one side and I'm like, where are the urinals, you know? And it just wasn't dawned on me because we'd been traveling and my brain wasn't quite, you know, you know how it is when you're going in and out of airports Mm -hmm. in and off of, you know, airplanes, you just get (laughs) kind of foggy in the brain. And, um, so I wasn't putting two and two together. So I kind of walked into the stall and took a leak you know, and I'm like, well, whatever. If they don't have urinals, I'll just use a toilet over here. They must be in some other part of the bathroom. I don't know. And I go walking out and what there's this lady with this look on her face. And I realize she's walking in as I'm walking out and she locks eyes with me like, yo, you know, <laughs> dude in the bathroom, you know? And so it was just the funniest thing. And then some lady, she, um, as I, I'm sitting there telling my brother about this and there's a, a lady who comes walking out of the bathroom and she has this astonished look on her face. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, she saw me in the girl's room and she just can't believe that that happened. What's a guy doing in the girl's room? <laughs> but she was looking at someone behind me 
like right behind me, like not right, right. But like, so when she was, it looked like she was making eye contact with me with this astonished look on her face, but she was actually looking at someone else. So I had about 45 seconds there of complete confusion. And yes, I did walk (laughs) into the girl's room. And so that's really odd. You said this was a couple of nights ago. when That's so funny. Yeah. That would have been right about the time that it happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That was the... The what look the on your face or the look on the guy's face, I'm ash- yeah, it was you, like in my dream when you walked in, it was very much like shock and confusion and like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, I'm in the wrong place. And then just like backed away. <laughs> That's so um, funny. Yeah. All right. You've, um, yeah, I think, Melissa, I think you've just proven it right there live on air. You know, <laughs> you, you do, you've, we've never talked before tonight. We've never seen each other. You've never seen me. And here we are, and you know this information about me, and you got the description right, and you even, you know, we we the thing with the bathroom, we know that it had to do with privacy for you because that I mean, what a great symbol for privacy! A bathroom mm. stall yeah. is supposed to be where mm. you're, but it just so happens that I just walked into the ladies' room in an airport <laughs> just about the time you had that dream. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I you should have seen like how I was over here just going, "Oh my god, she's describing him to a T." Like, <laughs> I know this guy's love of blazers too, and I'm just like, "Oh really?" <laughs> <laughs> I did wear like a sports blazer at the um, conference. It's my favorite. Yeah. I like wearing the t-shirt with the blazer over. Yes, it that's what it was. <laughs> That's, that's kind of, that is my dress casual, you know, casual, but dressy. That's my look. I mean, that's right yeah. there. God I mean, if the dude, dude would have thrown a so hang cool. loose, if I would have thrown as a character in your dream, thrown a hang loose symbol, like sign at, you know, the thumb out with the pinky pointed down. Yeah. Cause that's my, that's my call sign in a way. That's like my thing, you know? And so, yeah, if I would have done that, then you would have had the trifecta, like the perfect, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think you were spot on. So thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Man, wild. So cool. Well, I know Jay said he's got to get going, so maybe we can wrap this up. Uh, I got got a question for you that will bring us back to the dream momentarily before we kind of ask you to sum up beautifully in your own words kind of what this meant for you, this whole process that has happened, and just like the plethora of dreams and experiences psychically that we've been kind of riffing on like what does all that mean to you and how has it shaped you uh, but I guess if I could just ask you one question I really wanted to ask you tonight was uh, you said all of this very lightly uh, I'm sure just because you're happy that it didn't end up going that far but I mean we're was this devastating to you at all or was this like kind of Because it doesn't seem like he was very devastated, which... Oh, yeah. So, no, at the time, yeah, it was terrible. Like, I... When I grew up, I grew up very alone because my parents were workaholics. And I, even to the point, like, I had a babysitter that would come and get me ready for school. I'd go to school, then I'd go to after-school care, and then um, go home and go to bed. And like, I didn't really see my parents at all. I spent a lot of time alone, like my whole childhood. So 
because of that, I was always like seeking love. Like I thought to get love, you needed a partner. And I never learned that you could give yourself love in a way. Mm, Um, so when all of this went down, like I, I was devastated, but I think the thing, and I said it earlier was I was in shock for a couple Mm. of weeks of like what just happened. (laughs) And I was pretty devastated, um, honestly, but I think the reason that I sound so happy now is for a few reasons is because now I have the hindsight to see that that wasn't right for me. Now I can look back and appreciate my dream for the gift that it gave me because now I have met my husband Sam, who's absolutely amazing. I know him so deeply. And when we met, he, we would both always say it felt like we were remembering each other, like we already knew each other. And he is just like me where like he will not hide an emotion. Like he'll always tell you the truth, like so amazing. So that's why I sound so happy when I'm explaining it because I'm living like the silver lining. Oh, yeah. Um, so it is really good, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. The overall thing I suppose that I've learnt from all of this is that I was feeling very lost when I was younger. I wasn't confident in who I was as a person internally. I was very confident with who I was as a person externally and I knew that I could... People liked me because of my looks, you know. Um, they wanted to be friends with me for that reason. And, and yeah, I have been able to use dreams as a way to get to know myself and have a lot of, like, ego death happen. I, it was a really hard transition in the middle of it all. So for those people who are just starting to get into their dreams and they're possibly having a lot of negative dreams... I, I really encourage you not to give up and to keep going and to trust that the future you is going to thank you um, because, yeah, there were, like, lonely nights. There were, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't great to start with, but in every single dream that I've had, it's helped me go in and heal parts of myself from the past and learn to accept who I am today and teach me how to know what I like, know how to set out boundaries, know how to unconditionally love myself and not need a man to fill that for me. It's been so transformative in the way that I live my life that I don't, I don't know, I would say I just feel really confident in where I'm going in my life. And I used to hear about people talking about setting goals and if you don't have goals like you're not going anywhere in life and I couldn't set goals because I didn't know what I liked I didn't know what I wanted to do and I've always felt that lost through my whole life and in the past two years since doing dream work I can say that I'm so confident in who I am I have no issues putting out boundaries I don't need makeup and fake tan and a good rig to feel confident to go out and talk to people I feel fine just to go out and talk to people looking like whatever because like I said to you in in the dream Steve is that it doesn't matter about my voice or how I look I have something important to say and knowing that like deeply inside of me has been like the most healing thing of everything is like finding myself again 
through the whole experience. That is really cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. You have a, you've just a wonderful way of sharing, you know, I, everything that you've shared, you've had a wonderful way of presenting it. I've loved listening to you. And, oh, thank uh, you. And, yeah, you uh, don't sound like a 20-something that's <laughs> annoying to listen to. <laughs> uh, and your I'm energy glad. really comes through. Yeah. Um, I think there our listeners are going to have a lot that they can gain from uh, your experience and seeing the ways that these dreams have shaped you, obviously one very big dream that really made a huge difference in your life, but you can see the pattern of these dreams working you and shaping you into the person that you are now. Uh, you have joined, you are part of the, um, you know, the, the community of dream workers. I mean, you are, you are officially here among us. Um, so we, we welcome you, uh, and um, will you tell us again for listeners, I bet you have some wonderful things to share on your podcast. So um, why don't you tell them, and I know you're on Instagram too. So uh, tell us about your podcast and give listeners a way of finding you. Sure. So my podcast is just simply called the Dream Hub Podcast. There are a few episodes of me just talking on my own. And then recently I've been interviewing a lot of people and I get a lot of, I love to kind of aim it at beginners. So people who are just getting into dreaming. So I talk about like a lot of tips, a lot of tricks, how to remember dreams, like sharing, just it's, re it's really easy to listen to. And it's interesting because there's a lot of different people that come on there. Um, on Instagram, it's dream and then double underscore hub, um, dream hub, or you can, I think you can just search Melissa Johnson. Um, and on there, I post pretty regularly, like some reels, um, with a lot of, quality information and tips and trips like anything that's helped me I like to kind of share it to help others I feel like dreams is so untapped and it's the most powerful way to help people that are having trouble like internally like wanting guidance on their life like I often hear of people being like oh I'm gonna go on holidays for two months I feel like I need to go overseas and just find myself and it's like you're not overseas. You don't need to run away from your life to try and find yourself. Like if if you want to do that really quickly and efficiently and cheaply, like just go to sleep and start paying attention to your dreams. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really strong and passionate about using your dreams as your own therapy. And online I, I do one-on-one -on -one, um, sessions with people and I do some online lessons as well. Um, in person, sometimes I run workshops. Uh, my husband's a breathwork facilitator, so we like to blend breathwork and the liminal space and help people to kind of grow bigger dreams um, and just feel more comfortable and in touch going into those spaces on their own. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, awesome. And so if they wanted to find you online other than Instagram, um, do you have a website? 
Yep, uh, dreamhub.au because I'm in Australia. Okay. But I think if you Google DreamHub, it comes up. It should hopefully. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight and being so open with your story. Uh, I, I'm glad that we were able to maintain your privacy, but at the same time that you felt comfortable um, being able to share some of these things about yourself that are very private. Um, and it's going to reach a lot of people and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to learn something from your experience. So we've done a Thank lot of good you. tonight. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And on behalf of both of us, just to piggyback on that. Yeah. really appreciate the camaraderie that we've had being podcast hosts on Instagram and some of the, the love we've shot back and forth to each other. Really appreciate the, the support and uh, you guys can definitely follow her podcast. I think uh, I'm going to be on her show here coming up pretty quick. Yes, you will be. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's going to be awesome. And I just listened to an amazing uh, interview that she just did with Robert Moss on her podcast, which it was amazing. I was like, damn, this is great. <laughs> so check it out. Thank you. Well, yeah. Um, Okay, that's a wrap. Awesome. Nighty night. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sweet <laughs> dreams. When Steve and I set out to create this podcast, we had no idea so many of our guests were going to share their stories about seemingly paranormal dreams, or call them ESP dreams, or psychic dreams, or whatever. Even though we'd both experienced dreams like that, we just wanted to bring you story after story about life-shaping dreams. But from our very first episode, where Harper shared his experience with a series of dreams that led him on a journey of healing, we've gone down that rabbit hole. And now well into season three, we come to this episode where Melissa shared a dream that gave her a heads up about her sneaky fiance and saved her from a terrible mistake. It's uncanny how these stories have come to us. The rabbit simply appeared and we followed it, leading us to people who dreamed about their future children, to people whose dreams brought a powerful spiritual presence into their lives, to people who dreamed time and again about future events, who experienced synchronicities that are almost too wild to be true. People who shared dreams and communicated telepathically, who dreamed about secrets and lies, and let's not forget dreaming about the hidden details of a murder. And we've only scratched the surface. We didn't intend for our show to turn into the Paranormal Dreams podcast, but it's where we've ended up. And we can only guess that now must be the time to shine a light on this subject. Too many people are having dreams like these and not understanding it's normal. Not paranormal. Normal. The mind possesses faculties beyond ordinary cognition. In parapsychology, it's called anomalous cognition. Freud knew it. Jung knew it. Artemidorus, the Greek philosopher, he knew it and wrote about it almost two millennia ago in one of history's most influential books about the interpretation of dreams. And then there's William James, a godfather in the field of psychology. He knew it. And Melissa, a budding dream worker if I've ever seen one, knew it too. 
with her intuitive radar picking up on what her fiancé was doing behind her back. She knew to trust it, and I think that's true for most of us, because we find it to be too accurate to ignore, a source of unerring truth. Now you know it too. Trust your gut. Trust your dreams. You don't need any special ability to have such dreams. But watch out for beliefs against it, because what we believe has a way of becoming our reality and our truth. Steve and I would like to thank our guest, Melissa Johnson, for telling us about the dream that changed her and saved her from marrying the wrong man. It's truly a dream that shaped her life and another dream that shapes us. Check her out at dreamhub.au, dreamhub.au, and on Instagram, dream double underscore hub. And of course, you can visit Steve and I at dreamsshapeus.com. And you know what's coming next. We'll see you next time. And until then, nighty night. <laughs>